We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, my guy, Justin Thomas. Justin, how are we doing? Uh, doing a lot better now than I was at 1.30 a.m., I'll tell you that. But you know what? I'm, I'm here. Refresh off the Nets win. Let's get to it. Yeah, Nets pick up the W tonight, 116-105. Obviously, a very eventful 24 hours and week in Nets world. We're not going to talk about the trade stuff. You can find that on another episode. We're going to recap this win over the Bulls. Before we do that, quick reminder, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Justin, I guess before we get into the recap, what were your vibes going into just watching this game? Obviously, we know the trade stuff and all that, but like, what what happened at 730? Were you looking forward to watching this? Were you already kind of down in the dumps? What were your thoughts? I had just woken up from a nap, and the <laughs> office was playing, and I was like, oh, shit. I, <laughs> Damn, we have a game. Uh, so then I quickly turned, uh, to it, uh, just in time to see, uh, Charles Barkley say that we're not a playoff <laughs> team. So there was that, I had that going for me, but no, I think after like the disappointment and, and realize realization that dang, like Kevin Durant isn't a part of this organization anymore. It kind of became a little bit of, uh, a little bit of excitement, you know, some intrigue as to, all right, what's Dorian Finney Smith going to give us? What's Spence going to give us? Um, how are the how are you know guys like Cam and Joe gonna fit around these guys? Like what I just wanted to see a great effort put forth, and uh, uh, expectations were definitely met tonight. Yeah, I think you just wanted to see the guys come out focused and engaged, and like it wasn't a matter of they were winning or losing the game. It was just like, can they be competitive? Can these pieces fit, or will everyone kind of be just like feeling sorry for themselves because they lost? You know, to you know the the greatest superstars of this generation, but the guys came out and they really were engaged. The offense to start the game was stagnant as kind of expected guys kind of feeling out for each other and just kind of a cold offensive flow. But in that second half, you really started to see them find a rhythm and find some things that worked for this team when the correct lineups were out there and they weren't playing, you know, guys that were holding them back. Yeah, that is pretty much. And you know what? It's, I guess it's like, are we going back now to like, I don't want to call them lovable losers, but are we just going back to like, all right, well, just go out there, have fun, play hard type of Nets basketball. I mean, it is entertaining. Um, you know, it definitely makes you feel good. But is, if that's what we're doing, then I guess, you know, I guess I got to dive in head first, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess for the next 28 games, that really can be the only expectations. Obviously, no real all-star on this team. You know, Ben, a former all-star, not no longer of that form as we saw tonight. But 
there's definitely some fun with this roster. You know, obviously Spencer Dinwiddie has the vibes where he's returning to Brooklyn and he can still put on a show and carry a team for a little bit. You know, Cam Thomas, not his best night, but still has been really fun. And it was actually like awesome to see them play good defense without Nick Claxton being out there. Oh, I think that's one of the things that really stuck out to me was how much they were moving on defense. And mind you, you have two new guys coming into a, you know, I don't, I'm not familiar with how, the Mavericks play their defense and like what their schemes are and things like that. But it was really nice seeing, you know, Spence and, and Dorian active on the defense. And uh, me personally, I didn't think it was the best defense performance I've seen from Dorian Finney-Smith. I thought Zach Levine was kind of getting to the back to the basket and just putting the ball in the hoop at will. But I know that the caliber of defender that Dorian Finney-Smith is, I've been wanting him on the Nets for the last two years. So I think Nets fans will be pleasantly surprised at just how good he is. And like you said, like, you're going to add Mikhail Bridges. You're going to add Cam Johnson to this defense. Um, Claxton will be there. Whatever you can get from Simmons, right? If Edmund Sumner, Edmund Sumner kind of gets rotated into the, you know, the, the lineup as well. Like, there's a lot of potential defensively for this team. I mean, we we talked about, you know, Nets fans have talked about, like, oh, what it could look like, you know, when KD was on the team, when you had the introduction of Dorian Finney-Smith. But now, even without KD, this team is is – it's a wings league, you know, as, as yep. a one former net Kevin Durant said, uh, the nets are littered with them. They got too many at this point. Uh, but it, it's definitely something that a lot of switchability on the defensive end guys that can guard up. Um, yeah, we're still going to have maybe issues at the, the center position, but top to bottom, this is a very solid defensive team on paper. Yeah. I think that was my biggest intrigue when they reacquired Spencer Dinwiddie was the fact is now they have a point guard that's 6'5 and is really switchable and is essentially a wing size and has good athleticism and length. But getting to Dorian Finney-Smith, like you mentioned, you know, not his best game on Zach Levine, but I thought he did a really nice job on DeMar DeRozan. And you could tell that his length was definitely disrupting his game. You know, talking about Dorian's stats for tonight, nine points, four of 10 from the field, oh, four from three, one of three from the free throw line, nine rebounds, three offensive, also had one assist in there, had that monster jam in the third quarter. Probably one of the best dunks we've seen in Brooklyn in a while. Yeah, I mean, and and even before that monster dunk, he had a nice putback yep. uh, slam as well. Um, the stats aren't going to jump out. At least the scoring stats aren't going to jump out to you. But that's never been his game. Um, oh, for four from three. It has been a it has been a pretty down year for him, three point wise. Uh, even with the Mavericks, I expect that three point shot to you know return to form um, here in Brooklyn. The the court should be wide open, especially. You know, when you have a guy like Dinwiddie who's getting to the basket at will, a guy like Cam who's going to, you know, generate that de uh, the defensive attention uh, towards him. But for what he gave you in his debut, I mean, you can't be mad at it and led the team with a plus 32 plus minus. So plus 32 is a pretty significant <laughs> number. Obviously, plus minus isn't the end all be all, but. He had a positive impact out there, and you could just see how he could fit on so many teams in this league. It was actually kind of interesting that you know no one tried to acquire him today, but we can touch on that in a later podcast. But getting over to Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously, as I mentioned, reacquired by Brooklyn, 25 points, 8 of 17 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, 7 of 9 from the free throw line, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, only 1 turnover, and plus 25 for Spence. He had a nice homecoming. Yeah, back like he never left, right? Yeah. I mean, this is just shades of the Spence we saw you know, back way back in that that 2018-19 season when D'Angelo Russell was hurt and it was up to Spencer Dinwiddie to kind of lead the troops. And this is these are the performances that he would give us. You know, we we talk about it. He's a he's a perennial 20 and 6 guy. He's got all-star caliber talent. He's a big guard, so you know he's not gonna, you know, give up much on the defensive end. Um, 
But what I really, really missed about Spence was just downhill Dinwiddie. The yep. amount of times he can just get to the basket, whether he's creating a shot for himself, drawing a foul, or kicking it out to a teammate. Uh, that's the type of rim pressure that is going to open up the floor for a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, for a guy like Yuta Watanabe, who we saw hit a few corner threes tonight. Um, we'll open it up for Cam Thomas as well, and even the shooters like Joe. So it, it, it was very nice to have you know Spence back, and what a debut in a, his return performance at Barclays. Yeah, whatever Spence said to Joe got him going because he, he had his best game of the season. We'll touch on him in a sec. But like you said, you know, Dinwiddie's ability to get downhill and beat his man off the dribble is really impressive, especially for somebody who suffered a torn ACL. You know, we've seen that kind of kill players athleticism or lessen their first step. Still really good in that department. And also just being a, a true point guard to an extent, you know, running the show out there and just facilitating things. And I thought he did a good job of, you know, not ball hogging too much, but scoring when needed and trying to get other guys involved, including Cam Thomas. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, you know, I think as the, the games progress, we'll see the Nets run the offense more through uh, Spence. It just felt a little bit more in control when he was bringing the ball up and when he was initiating the offense, as opposed to Cam. And, you know, it's no, it's no knock on Cam, but, you know, he's, he's still 21. He's 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 learning um, ball handler duties is something that might be still new to him, especially at the NBA level. So having a guy like Spence there playing alongside him in that backcourt is definitely going to help him. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it's just it's just nice having a guy like Spence who can just do the point guard job well, consistent night in and night out. Yeah, and he's a guy that obviously is going to be surrounded by a lot of shooters, especially when this team is fully healthy and the new acquisitions are active. You know, you're going to be adding Seth Curry, Cam Johnson, and Mikel Bridges, all really good three-point shooters, and obviously the latter two, two really good defenders. So exciting stuff. Moving off of Spence, um, let's jump into Joe Harris, who finished the game with 18 points, 6 of 9 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3, had 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, and... All 18 points came in the second quarter where he caught fire and knocked down six threes. I know Katie's probably watching this game on the plane <laughs> and like, yo, where was this when I was here? You know, like, um, no, it was a, it was a Joe Harris masterclass. Let me duck before somebody throws something at me. <laughs> um, I mean, that was one of the best, you know, quarters of basketball I've seen Joe Harris play in his tenure as a net. I mean, 18 points in the quarter, just could not miss. You know, it was his quarter when he got that crazy shot at the top of the key with yep. the shot clock running down and he had a defender draped all over. And I'm like, all right, if that goes in, it's really his night. And it definitely, and, and it did. And I'm like, all right, well just chalk it up. And he was a big, he was a big reason as to why the Nets were able to stay in that game and ended up taking a lead into halftime. You know, if it wasn't for the heroics of Joe Harris in that second quarter, I mean, can't believe I really just said that, but <laughs> if it wasn't for the heroics of him, you know, who knows what would have happened with this Nets team, who knows how much they would have been down going into halftime. And it honestly changed the course of the entire game. Uh, I think the Nets were down 13 at one point in that second quarter. Uh, so his his, his three-point shooting definitely lit, lit a spark under this team. So kudos to Joe for that, man. Yeah, I mean, to to be honest, it felt like Joe was always a little nervous uh, around the, the big three and then the big two and Kevin Durant in terms of just the pressure on him. And he just seemed a little bit more relaxed out there and just felt like he was playing basketball. And, you know, sometimes that's what it is for certain players. And as you mentioned, you know, scored 18 in that second. The Nets scored 34 as a team. So Joe uh, had more than half of the points for the team and in, in an offensive half where they really weren't good in the first. So. 
that that was huge. And I think that's what you're going to need a lot from this team moving forward. It's not, you know, a superstar team. There's a lot of different pieces and hopefully guys can step up for stretches. You know, you're not going to expect Joe Harris to hit six threes every quarter, but if he can do it for one quarter and that can hold the team over or give you some type of positive run, that's going to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And then even just, even if he's not hitting like, you know, six, seven threes a night, it's the timely threes that really uh, yep. stand out to me when a team is going on a run and you need Joe Harris to knock down that corner three just to, you know, steady your offense or you're on a run and you need the momentum to keep continuing so that the other team is forced to call a timeout. Those that that's when you really need Joe Harris to step up. Um, but tonight, you know, six of nine from, from, from three, uh, I thought he played under control. Uh, I will say though, with, with what you just said, are you saying that Joe Harris is never going to uh, beat the pressure allegations? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know, but I, I definitely understand where you're coming from with that, you know, because it is it could be nerve wracking and, and it could be a lot of pressure playing with all time greats like Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving. And even before that, uh, James Harden, you know, you always want to be there. They're great. And you want to be great just along with them. And if you're not up living up to, to, to par, you know, you feel like you're letting them down. You're letting the team down. And that's how you get your name thrown into trade uh, talk discussions. So. You know, good on Joe for bouncing back, having himself a great game. Hopefully, this spurs him for a, uh, you know, for the next for the le- next twenty seven games of the season. Yeah, I think also it's just like those guys are taking the workload. You know, they're doing the hard stuff and drawing multiple defenders, and you're just there to kind of shoot open threes. The pressure is just on. You know, in these situations, a little bit different because. Not that he's generating his own offense, but you see a lot more ball movement, off ball movement tonight where it's just like kind of flowing with the offense. And I thought also it was like the first time that Ben Simmons and him really had some nice chemistry moments where they truly probably haven't had that for the first 50 games of the season. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's just uh, it's 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 nice. You know, it, it feels good to just have a good win with guys that are competing hard and you know, I don't want to play for I, the I, Nets. I, I want to play for the Nets. I feel like I, I'm smiling right now, and I don't know why, but you know, it's just. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm talking about another shooter who went off tonight, Yuta Watanabe. Finished with 14 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. Also had a rebound, 2 assists, and 1 steal in there. Yuta doing his thing out there and looked really good from the corner, and credit the guards for finding him. Yuta the shooter. You already know. Uh, 4 or 5 from 3. Timely 3. He, he's he, he's getting back into his uh, rhythm from the corner. I mean, at the beginning of the season, he basically could not miss from the corners, and we saw that again tonight. Um Again, timely threes, th- uh, threes that kept the momentum going, th- threes that kept the building rocking. Um, my my favorite three was definitely when Cam drove to the paint, did that wraparound baseline, found Utah in the corner, and Utah just splashed it home. Um, and his three point celebrations are always fun. Yeah, uh, I, I just love I just love how he emotes. Um, he, he you you see he has fun playing this game. He has fun playing with his teammates, and his teammates love him. And the best part about that last three was you saw it, the camera pan to uh, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, yep. and they're getting hyped about it too. And it's just kind of funny because 48 hours ago, you know, they were probably cursing at Utah and, and trying to get under his skin, and now, you know, they're cheering for him like they're the best of friends. So that was really, really cool to see. Yeah, it almost felt like Cam Johnson was a little surprised Yuta was such a good three-point <laughs> shooter. He was like, damn, like, I think they were impressed by his release because he had the one in the right corner where the ball barely hit his hand and he just let it go. And we've talked about it before on this show is the change in his form and the quickness of his release has been a major jump for him as an NBA player. So credit him for the work he put in. Also thought defensively in this game, he did a pretty good job, especially when they were playing some smaller lineups and rotating and giving guys help. Yeah, yeah, you know, and anything that Utah can give you on defense is definitely a plus. You know, he has a little bit of size, but you're not expecting him to really bang in the post with, you know, some of the more established bigs. But, you know, if he can stay in front of his man, you know, for the majority of the time he's out there, that you'll, you'll take that, right? If Utah is your worst defender on the floor, I think that's a plus because that means you have around him a bunch of quality guys, you know, and he will be surrounded by a bunch of quality guys. He'll, he'll be on the floor with Claxton. He'll share the floor with Mikhail Bridges. He'll, we saw tonight, he's sharing the floor with Dorian Finney-Smith. So, you know, and and they'll be able to make up for any maybe mistakes that, that he has on that end. But, you know, and just really quick going back to, you know, his shooting form, there was the one three, I think one of his first threes in the, in the corner uh, off of a really nice pass from Royce O'Neal and the camera pan to, to Mikhail. And you kind of saw him mimicking uh, you yeah. just shot release, which I thought was pretty funny. So yeah, credit him. I mean, he put in a lot of work and like you said, defensively, he's not amazing, but he can do his job. And if he's your worst offender, you're doing pretty good out there. You know, I think physicality, like you mentioned, is probably his main issue and not necessarily the best foot speed, but does a nice job of probably using his length and, you know, keeping his arms up and out. Yes, no, a- a- absolutely. So nothing but positive praise for, uh, Utah and, uh, have they announced the three-point shooters yet for the All-Star game? No, right? Uh, I think they mentioned they? some of them. I don't think that he made the cut, sadly. Yeah, you know. Oh, this is politics. See? Yeah. This is politics. Yeah. It was, it was kind of, probably because of freaking uh, Chandler Parsons. 
or whatever with his <laughs> on FanDuel TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah, spreading some bad publicity, man. No, no respect out here, and especially coming <laughs> from that guy. But uh, moving over to Cam Thomas, didn't necessarily have his best game, especially considering how he played. You know, leading up to this one, but finished with twenty points, three of sixteen from the field, one of six from three, thirteen of thirteen from the free throw line, six rebounds, four assists, did have four turnovers, but was plus eighteen. And, you know, had his positive moments and his negative moments, but that's going to be expected from a young guy as he tries to grow. Yeah. And you don't ever want to be a Debbie Downer, but, but you know, I, I think a rational fan, you know, in person that watched Cam knew that a game like this was coming, like the regression to the mean. Um, did I think he was going to shoot this poorly, three or 16? No, but you know what? He's a volume shooter and, and volume shooters have nights like this. So it was nice to see that he made all 13 of his free throws. Uh, so that's pretty good. But, I think the big thing with Cam and we're going to we're going to grow with him, right? He's 21 years old. We know he's a bucket. His shot selection is not the best, but he makes a lot of tough shots. Like he's a really really good tough shot maker. He shoots from basically all angles. Rarely do I ever see his feet, you know, pointing towards the basket. You know, it's, his body is facing one way, his hips are facing the other way, his feet are another direction. Um it, it it's just like you even like so I think the the one he, when he got the foul call on uh Caruso like his body is just going all sorts of angles. I don't think it's it's easy for a defender to really know where he's going and what angle he's shooting from. Uh, so it's it's unfortunate that we don't see another forty piece. But you know, for him to get twenty points, made some timely shots, got to the got to the the free throw line uh, in in a, in a very good manner. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's a learning process for Cam, just like it's going to be a learning process for us. Yeah, I think it's one hundred and fifty points in his last four games. <laughs> <laughs> which is just ridiculous to say for a second year player like Cam Thomas. And you know, what's crazy is I thought probably the last three games was his best shot diet of his career, you know, consecutively just, you know, switching it up from attacking the rim and then shooting a lot from three tonight. He kind of got caught in that in between a little bit with some of those mid range shots. I think also tonight he probably just needed to realize he was playing with better NBA players than he was the last couple of games. You know what I mean? There's just more yeah. guys you can hit. You know, he missed a couple easy passes, but he's going to watch the film, hopefully grow from that. I felt like even as the game progressed, there was some a couple good reads. Like you mentioned, he hit Yuta in the corner, hit a big three. So there's going to be a lot of progress from him. And I also think he benefits when Claxton plays. You know, having a real rim-rolling threat, Daron Sharp isn't that guy, Ben Simmons isn't that guy. And I think vertical spacing is a huge aspect of an offense when you you know don't necessarily have those stars so overall you know it's still a lot of growth for cam in this game yeah absolutely and you know i mentioned it earlier you know with talking up spencer dinwiddie but i i, I think over time cam will grow into becoming a better ball handler or at least a primary ball handler um you know it doesn't sometimes it doesn't look like he's as comfortable running the offense um and it almost sometimes it looks predictable as to where he wants to go on the court to get his shot there yep. was the one um in the fourth quarter where you know he's just i think finney smith is rescreening like twice yep. um so cam could get the mismatch on Bucevic. but at seven seconds i'm I'm thinking all right i know he's gonna try and try a step back from the left wing and what did he do he tried to step back from the left wing with the shot clock running down and the and the, and the shot fell short so he's just a little things that cam is gonna work on it's, it's gonna he's, he's gonna grow on it or grow, grow into it um you know his shot diet is something that is a work in progress, but as I said, 21 years old, um, has all the talent, all the talent in the world, all the shot making talent in the world. And it's, uh, definitely something that is going to help propel the nets, you know, and maybe just maybe he blossoms into a top 20 
guy in the league and maybe that's your homegrown star you know maybe that's how the nets end up getting back to into contention as they get their homegrown star in cam thomas I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, especially after the week he just had. We know the list that he joined this week after having three consecutive 40-point games, joined a list of Hall of Famers. So that's usually a good sign for a young guy. And as you mentioned, 21 years old. And then just quickly touching on the play you mentioned where he took that step back, he probably had DFS open for a three, or at the very least swing him the ball, give him an opportunity to swing it to another guy and potentially get a better shot. But those are things that he'll learn. And you're really happy with his progress and the impact he's having. And also he's adjusting to new defenses. He touched on it after the game is, you know, they were giving him a little bit more pressure than he's probably seen over the course of the last three games. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, But, and that's going to come when, when teams get more film on you and teams learn to game plan around you, these are the things that you're going to have to expect, right? Like I think, the last week has been kind of fun because teams, yeah, you may have heard of Cam Thomas. You've seen him in the summer league, but there have been a lot of summer league heroes uh, throughout the course of NBA history. It doesn't always translate to the NBA, uh, but these three games at Cam at 40, it's like, all right, well, he's, he's, he's hooping like this, but people probably don't really know how to defend him like that. But the more games he plays, uh, the more film has gotten on him. People are going to start game planning for him. And, and, they're going to be more physical with him. They're going to get him off of his spots. Uh, and these are the things that he's going to have to learn to adjust. Uh, one of the things he has working for him is that he has such a high release. He jumps so high on his jump shots that he's able to get it up over, you know, sometimes larger defenders. But when that second and third defender is coming on his on his blind side, is he going to know and have the basketball IQ to know when to hit that guy in the corner or when to pull it back out and or, you know, just reset it, you know, slow it down yeah. and things like that. So, oh, you that's know, an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to grow. Uh, but you know, for the time being, let's just enjoy the camp show. Yeah. I think, uh, the point you brought up about like that second and third defender coming, you saw a little bit of that tonight. You saw it at the end of the Phoenix game with Chris Paul getting some swipes on his gather as he progresses. I think he'll understand, you know, what the defense is doing. And as you mentioned, you know, find those open guys and, you know, it's a really good opportunity for him because it's not that he can't make the pass. It's just that sometimes his decision-making isn't there. But talking about another young guy who got the start tonight with Claxton being out with hamstring soreness was Dayron Sharp. Finished with eight points, four of nine from the field, 12 rebounds, three offensive, one assist, one block, one turnover. Was plus 23. You know, I, in my opinion, I think Sharp is always kind of a mixed bag and his, his flaws typically stick out. But you have to credit the guy for playing extremely hard. Yeah, he, he plays hard. And that's 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 basically like 75% of what you want from a guy. Um, yes, his flaws definitely outshine the positives. He, we know he just gobbles up rebounds. Like that's just his thing. It's no surprise that he had, you know, 12 rebounds tonight. Um, you know, and credit to him for banging with Vucevic, um, and, and even Andre Drummond, you know, I, I thought I really enjoyed seeing the battles between them on the boards too, because Drummond is in his own right, one of the best rebounders we've seen, you know, over the past two decades, uh, so for him to really, you know, hold his own against Drummond was 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 pretty impressive. But yeah, Dayron just hasn't taken the step I think most Net fans expected. And you know what? Maybe we have to just be a little bit more patient because Nick Claxton took about you know two or three years before he really blossomed into what we're seeing this year. So maybe that's the case for Dayron. Um, and with the championship window, I guess being you know closed for the time being, maybe that when that the the grace period for Dayron is a little bit longer, right? Before we're talking about, oh, he doesn't really fit the timeline with KD and Kyrie and, you know, Nets need a, a more reliable center. But now without the star pressure, maybe you you give him more opportunities. You see what he can really do. I'd love to see 
where that three point shot went. Cause every time I, I watch a G league game, I see him pulling from three, but I never really see him do it in an NBA game. So I, I love to see that. Um, I think his footwork needs a little bit more work. His hands definitely need more work. There's so many times where guys try and feed him the ball, but he's fumbling it on the inside. So, you know, not, not, not to, you know, shit on the guy, but he has improvement, but he has some, uh, is this a little light at the end of the tunnel? I, yeah, I that. think, I think uh, he just doesn't necessarily have some of the greatest tools for an NBA center. And that's why he has to be really good at certain skills. And his room for error just isn't the same as somebody like Claxton because of Claxton's athleticism. You know, Claxton makes a bad step. He can easily recover. Claxton makes two bad steps. He still might be able to recover. Dayron Sharp makes one bad step. He's probably giving up a wide open layup because he just doesn't have that level of athleticism. And I think, like you mentioned, you know, the hands, something you really got to improve on if you're going to be a big physical center. You know, it's like having a possession receiver in the NFL. If the guy can't catch the ball, he's not getting separation. So what is he really doing out there? So I think Daron has to really focus on polishing his game because that's really going to be his only way to get on the court because of the obvious flaws that he does have. But like I said, you know, you credit players for coming in and playing hard, and that's something Sharp's always going to do out there. I think it would also benefit the Nets substantially to go out and sign a veteran center. <laughs> no, I, I think so, too. And, and, and yeah, Sharp, he, he gives it his all. And you know what I was most impressed about? I was most impressed with the fact that Dayron Sharp was able to stay on the floor for the entire game. Dayron yeah. Sharp only had three personal fouls. I was when 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 the news came out that Claxton was 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 not playing. I'm like, all right, so Dayron Sharp's probably gonna foul it in the second quarter. Who's gonna play the five for us for the entire yeah. second half? You know, but kudos to him, credit to him uh, for staying on the court. And you know, it's funny the the hands comparison or the hands issue is it's kind of what one of my problems with Jared Allen was when he first yeah. you know joined the team. Where it's like, all right, he keeps fumbling these these he's passing if he just catches them like those are easy dunks like he's giving away you know four six sometimes eight points a game just because he's fumbling the ball with either a turnover or he's allowing the defense to recover to him and force him into a bad shot so you know it's it, it, it's a it he, he's a project he's way more of a project than him uh but yes definitely would love to see a, another big <laughs> yeah. join the roster because like you said, the foul thing is a pretty big deal because well, I don't know if it was the Suns game or the Clippers game, but he had like three fouls in like four minutes. So credit to him for staying on the floor tonight. Moving over to Royce O'Neal quickly. Not Royce's best game. Six points, two of seven from the field, two of seven from three, three rebounds, four assists. Did have also three turnovers in this one. Um, Royce is a guy that could potentially be losing some minutes moving forward. So it's going to be interesting to kind of keep an eye on his role. As always, he's just kind of a, a solid player to fill in some minutes. And when he's not hitting from three, his offensive impact is obviously substantially less. Yeah, I expect uh, once Mikhail and Cam, you know, suit up, I expect Royce to go to the bench. I'd much yep. rather have Mikhail in the starting lineup than um, than Royce. But I think it could be a positive because now you're sending still a really, really good defender. Uh, to the second unit who will now guard, you know, somebody on, on the other team's second unit and give them fits. And I think this could really open up the door for the Nets defensively on their second unit, depending on, you know, who the Nets or who Jock Vaughn uses out there. But I mean, I'd love to see like a, a unit with, you know, maybe you have Cam Johnson, Royce, you have Edmund Sumner out there. So already you've got some pretty, some pretty good perimeter defense. Um, you know, maybe throw Utah in there as well. And probably Ben, whoever, and, and probably Ben, right? So off rip now, like I talked about earlier, Utah Watanabe is the worst defender on that unit. 
but he's surrounded by a bunch of really quality defenders. Um, yeah, and the three-point shot, you know, I'm not really worried about it with Royce. You know, it's it's, it's hit or miss, you know. It literally is hit or miss. <laughs> like, I've never, either, I, I've never yeah, seen He's either hitting like him or he's not, but, it's, it, you know, when he is, it's it's great. When he's not, it's like, all right, Royce, just 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 pass the ball. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of already know, like watching the night. It's like, all right, not going to be a night for Royce. And another night, it's like, all right, this dude is literally hitting everything. I guess finishing up, we'll touch on Patty Mills and Ben Simmons. Probably the two worst nets tonight. Uh, ben had some positive moments in the first half, but in that second half, he just kind of fell off a cliff. Finished with eight points, four seven from the field, oh one from three, eight rebounds, two offensive, four assists, and did have one turnover. What would you think of Ben? See, Ben gets me upset. You know why Ben gets me upset? Because he'll do like the things where he was aggressive in the first quarter. And I'm like, okay, the pressure's off Ben. He doesn't have like probably Kevin Durant's eyeballs staring at him like menacingly on the bench or on the court. He can just play free. And I thought he played pretty decently in the first the first half. Yeah. And then nothing. He had eight points in the first half and then nothing. A minus twelve. I just, I just, I just can't get over like the the curious case of Ben Simmons because I don't understand why why he's aggressive for parts of the game and can't sustain that for the whole game. It is very interesting because usually players get better as the game progresses unless they're fatigued. But Ben isn't really playing enough minutes. He didn't even play twenty minutes, and I played nineteen minutes and thirty nine seconds. And as you mentioned, his first basket of the game was a really nice drive. Even saw him roll to the rim with some actual like enthusiasm in this game. Patty Mills threw the best pass of his probably Nets career. Hit Andre Drummond with a nutmeg, and Ben finished the layup. And also he caught an oop for Spencer Dinwiddie in the first half too. So it's just like wow. It was like maybe he turned a corner and then that third quarter came along and it was like wow this guy forgot how to play basketball again and just turned down open lanes to the rim it's really intriguing and obviously we had the comment that kind of got you know pushed under the rug this week with all the trade stuff going on that he said you know it took him years to get to the point he's at it's going to take him a while to get you know back to where he was so i don't really know what to anticipate from him the rest of the season you know maybe it's something where we're looking to next season. Maybe he's going to be trading the offseason. Who really knows? But then touching on Patty Mills, who, to be honest, has been kind of painful to watch the last two games. Eight points, three of nine from the field, two of five from three, two rebounds, two assists, uh, one steal in there. Patty at times is just making horrible decisions for a veteran player. Why is he still on my roster? I don't understand it. He should have been gone at 301, and <laughs> he's not, and I just don't understand how you can't get just... They were giving out second round picks like Tic Tacs today. And yet we couldn't get not one second rounder for Patty. This is ridiculous. Uh, Like there's no it it is no surprise that he was a minus 23 because it felt like a minus 23 out there. He was not on the floor when the Nets were playing their best basketball and it showed his shot selection sometime is just really, really confusing because he take weirdly enough, I don't know if you notice this. Does does he seem to take a lot of deep twos? Yeah, for some reason. And it's the it's the least effective shot in basketball. I only trust like four guys in the NBA to really take those shots. Two of them just left the team. Right. Yeah. And you one know, of them is on the other team. <laughs> and one of them's on the other team. <laughs> and he ironically, he wasn't making his deep twos tonight. Yeah. But um, yeah, Patty is just he's not giving anything offensively. He doesn't give you anything defensively, you know, for every game that patty comes in and is a spark plug and hits like two threes and is running around and his hair's flopping and you're like oh my gosh this this is great he'll give you 15 games of basically what he's giving you right now and it's 
just it's nothing. It's it's really really nothing. Like those eight points to me just don't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Um, when you're just out there, how are you a minus twenty three in fourteen minutes? It's tough. How to is do. that possible? It's really tough to do, and I think. As you said, you know, the eight points really didn't mean anything because the way he took the nine shots was terrible. You know, he did hit his two open threes, but then he took some off the dribble threes. Then there's possessions where he's like dribbling the basketball like he's the star of the team and like no one else is touching (laughs) it. And he's pulling up for a long two. It's like, bro, Kyrie and Katie just left. They you barely want anybody to do that. Definitely not you. And as you mentioned, like if he's not traded, he should be the 15th man on this team. There's absolutely no reason Edmund Sumner shouldn't have gotten his minutes tonight or you just completely eliminated him from the rotation because defensively, too, he's a turnstile. He is consistently getting beat by guys that aren't even really good off the dribble. I mean, it does not take much to get past Patty Mills. And I don't mean to you know shit on the guy, but it, it's just to the point where. I don't understand his role in the team, and that's one thing that I think's really aggravated me with Vaughn, who's been awesome since he signed on as you know full-time head coach. But his love for Patty Mills is too much. I tell you, it's, it's got to be Marks. It's got to be Marks in his ear saying like, "Yeah, yeah. got to get Patty his touches." Because I mean, he did give him a contract extension. Uh, you know, signed him for multiple years uh, in the offseason. So that's I, I would have much rather. I mean, if that's the case, I'd much rather see Drew Smith out there. I thought. I thought he gave some pretty good minutes the other night. Uh, I'd rather yeah, see at least makes an effort to stay in front of people. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather see David Duke Jr. out there. You know, at yep. least I know David Duke Jr. is not a turnstile. You know, also shout out David Duke Jr. making the G League, uh, I think the G League All Star game, right? Yep. Um, so shout out to him. But yeah, Ed, the Patty getting minutes over Edmund Sumner, and even before before the team, you know, kind of essentially blew it up, getting minutes over Cam Thomas has always been like the one bugaboo of jock vaughn like uh, like you said for all the good that he's done this season you know i still think he deserves to get coach of the year nominations um him and his love affair for patty mills will forever befuddle me yeah i think what's makes it more frustrating is we see patty do things that cam's gotten benched for early in the season Mm -hmm. and they don't bench patty like the thing that maybe I could understand is you want to give him some like filler minutes in the second quarter just to kind of ease the load of everyone else and give him a couple opportunities to see if he's hot from three. Do it. But there's really no reason to play him in the second half. But enough about Patty Mills. I guess one of the other significant stats of this game is something that you probably won't see in many NBA games. The Bulls shot five of 26 from three. Why the Nets shot 17 of 44. Not a crazy night for the Nets. Only 38 percent. But the Bulls shot 19 percent. You probably aren't going to win many NBA games, if any, making five threes in 2023. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but at least the season stats, but uh, I don't believe the Bulls are a great three-point shooting team in their own right. Like, DeMar DeRozan, like, I think the one three he took tonight just slammed off the backboard. Like, that's not his game. He's, he's, we all know he's lethal in the mid-range, one of the best in the the NBA. But, you know, off night for him, off night for the entire team. I know Kobe White hit uh, hit a few. Zach Levine couldn't miss tonight. I know he hit a few. Uh, but yeah, that, that was definitely the biggest difference maker uh, in this game. Was definitely the three point shooting. And you know, it's nice to uh, be on the better side of that because you look at the yeah. Nets outside of Joe Harris, you don't really think of him like, oh wow, like, you know, you got some sharpshooters, you got some real three point threats over here. Uh, but you know, hey, it, it is what it is. I'll take I'll take an advantage in a, in a box score where I can get it. Yeah, last in the league in three point makes a game. Chicago Bulls at ten point five. So yeah, that, it showed. It looked yeah. like that tonight. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Uh, in terms of percentage, they are fifteenth, but you can see just 
They just don't have a guy, a lot of guys that are super confident from three. You know, Vucevic is hesitant at times. Uh, Caruso, not very good three-point shooter, as you mentioned. DeRozan, that's not his game. It's really kind of Zach Levine and if Kobe White's hot. So I found that really interesting with the Bulls not being sellers and then also not addressing one of the major issues of their team. But, Justin, anything else on this game you want to jump into before we get out of here? Uh... Cam Thomas is one of my favorite players on the Nets, not, not because we share a last name and not because we share a number. Uh, he has given some great post-game interviews over the last few days, and I don't know if you saw. <laughs> not not a good one today. <laughs> it's not a good one today. Um, <laughs> he'll definitely probably get a fine from the league. Um, he might have caused himself Player of the Week nominations for that, but you know what? Like I said, he's 21 years old. He'll learn. He'll yeah. learn how to be media savvy. But other than that, I got nothing. Yeah, I think uh, Cam will probably issue an apology. Not going to repeat <laughs> what he said on air. You know, make a good donation. Pay your fine. As you said, a young guy just kind of caught in the moment and said something he probably shouldn't have. But, you know, it seems like Cam is a good guy and will correct yeah. that mistake. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he means well. he kind of instantly just, knew that. Oh, he, he did. And then, <laughs> and then Dinwiddie's response to was, he was like, it's almost like not just say that. Spence almost made it worse. And then Greenberg jumping in and saying his smirky stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah. who also gave a weird interview to Mikhail Bridges. I thought oh, that, that was that was brutal to sit through. I mean. Mikhail didn't look happy and you know, maybe it was just, you know, he looked a little nervous too, in general, just like, yeah. Like, I don't think he's upset. I mean, I think, you know, obviously like he has like the, he has roots, not roots, but like he built up a good rapport in, yeah. in, in Phoenix, you know, he had that pin tweet, but I thought the just constant, like, it almost felt like the reporter was trying to get a story. Yeah. When, you know, when there really wasn't anything there, just, you know, trying to stir up some trouble uh, where their trouble didn't need to be stirred up. But, you know what? For as you know, kind of miserable as he looked during the, the during the 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 interview, he looked just as joyous. You know, during the game when the camera panned to him and the Nets were doing well. So yeah, you know. he he looked hyped when uh, Yuta was knocking down some threes and other moments in the game. I already have like a couple screenshots for memes moving forward. So I'm really excited to see Mikael Bridges and see what he can do. But Justin, always a pleasure. Big thanks everybody for listening, and make sure you check out our other trade pods dropping very soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.